Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Hello everybody, my name is Wayne and I'm a Christian. <laughs> uh, I just want to introduce my wife, Genevieve, sitting right in front. She's my, my rock next to me. We've been married for close to eight years now. Um, and yeah, she's my number one supporter. Wally, after you. Okay. That, so, so thank you for that. Um, yeah, just a little bit about myself. Born in Athlone, for those who don't know, I am a colored guy. Uh, I know I've been mistaken for many other things, especially when people speak other languages to me. But that's okay. I mean, I'm all receptive to those kind of things. Um, born in Athlone to a very poor family. Um, my mom was amazing. Uh, single mom. Dad died when I was six years old. But she was awesome. And not once did we ever know we were poor. But, you know, being without a dad... Uh, little things happen. You, you start growing up. You get into your teenage years. You think, cool, I'm my own man. Now I'm going to do some stuff. So I decided I wanted to be a gangster. So, you know, in the colored community, for those who know, these are very prevalent things that happen to young kids without dads. And we were about five friends, and none of us had dads. So we decided we're going to huddle together, hang out on the corner shop. And, you know, I've got this London fog jacket, collars up. Jack Purcells, I am the man. So I've got five, four of us, four, five cronies with me, and we're sitting on the corner shop, and it's the coolest thing, I can tell you, it's the coolest thing, 16 years old, checking it out, the girls come past, they strut this stuff, you checking it out, you're standing right in front, the guys are standing at the back, I had 11 brothers, so of course I'm going to be the leader, right, because my brothers will tell them, at least eight brothers, and they will tell them that I am the leader, so they couldn't actually mess with me. So I was the leader, um, not by choice, but by enforcement of my family. And there I was standing and hanging out, and I checked out this lady sitting there. My, my love, you are the first love, okay? <laughs> so anyway, so there I am standing, and I'm hanging out, checking out the girls, and, and you know, you, in the back pocket, you've got your little, what we would call a copy. Those who don't know, it's a knife, pocket knife, you know. And, uh, and you're standing, and you're checking out the girls, and like, you're hanging, and, and at that moment, and my friends just went quiet, and at that moment, I felt this warm sensation go over my head. And you know, as a gangster, your first reaction is, back pocket, this is it, it's happening, we're going to fight. And so I jumped out of the way, turned around, and it was my mom with a broomstick <laughs> that knocked me over my head. And, and it's like my body is saying, Wayne, that just happened, you know? <laughs> And I'm, saying, I'm looking at my mom, and I've got this cup in my hand. And my friends looked at me, and they said, Run, Wayne, he runs! I'm like, oh, never look back. This is where I am today, standing right in front of you. My mom's amazing. Single mom, 11 kids. Yes, 11 kids. No TV. So that was okay. It worked out well. I promise you, it worked out well. 
Anyway, today, the title of my message is Restored, Loved, and Commissioned. And if we can turn to the book of John 21, we're going to read from 1 to 17, and please bear with me, I'm not a good reader. I'm one of those guys that quietly reads because I have to reread and reread. So please bear with me when I read this to you. John 21, 1 to 17. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples. Is it up there? Okay. By the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know what it was, that it was Jesus. Jesus said to, said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the, on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved Therefore said to Peter, you know that disciple whom Jesus loved, right? He calls himself that. His name is John. <laughs> when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put, his, put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. Uh, I, don't, I don't know about you guys, but I take my clothes off when I jump into the sea. Simon Peter puts it on. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now one of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so were the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he had raised from the dead. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Can we pray? Father, we thank you this morning for who you are. Holy Spirit, we ask that you come and minister to our hearts as the word settles in our hearts, Lord. And may we find revelation for all that is spoken. We ask this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. So that same mom that I was speaking about earlier, 
she was a, quite a tough lady. And, and because at the time she was about 60 years old when I was 16, yes, I was <laughs> born at the age of 43, um, a lot Lamaki, and I was the 11th child, so I always used to mock her and say, how do you plan an 11th kid? You don't plan them, they just pop. She says, my son, you don't know anything. I said, okay, cool. But I became naughty, and so I would do a lot of things wrong, and, and I thought she had given up on me because I kept on running around you know, because she couldn't catch me. So I would do something wrong, and there I am, the athlete, 16 years old, and my mom would chase me about five steps, and then she would stop. But then we go to bed at night, and it's three of us in the bedroom. And you know, there's this way of my mom entering a bedroom that is really scary. First, the door opens, and you just hear, and you don't see anyone. So now she gives us this time to really deliberate between each other who did something wrong that day. <laughs> because she couldn't catch us, but she could catch us in the bedroom. So it's my brother and I, two brothers and I, and we're like, it's, you. it's not me, no, no, it's you, no, no, that. Ah! it's you. It's like, and my mom would come in with a broomstick and just whack us. And whoever tried to stop her, I mean, they would get some of it. And you know that sentence when they give you a hiding? It's like, I told you not to, and you think, oh my word, how long is the sentence? I hope it stops. So yeah, it was a bit of a troubling time. But I knew that if I, during that time of the day, if I had to run towards her, I'm pretty sure that the result would have been different. Let's consider Peter for a second. I mean, here he is in the boat, they're chilling, they're hanging out, trying to catch some fish, back to their own lifestyle, their old lifestyle, doing the things that they did so well back in the day. Sorry. Give me a second. And he sees Jesus on the shore. He jumps out and he runs towards Jesus. What do you think is going through his mind? Here's a man that just denied Jesus three times. And he's running towards Jesus. Jesus is standing on the shore. And, and you can just imagine swimming and thinking, I wonder if he's going to remind me of what I've done. And he's keep on swimming and he's running at the same time, you know, it's just 100 yards, so I'm trying to picture this thing. Was it deep? Was it shallow? So, so please, if I say run and swim at the same time, that's just what I thought would, would happen. And, he, and he, was, he was darting towards Jesus, and the second time, you're probably thinking, I wonder if he's going to forgive me. Will he point out my sin? What is he going to do when I get there? And the word says, when they got there, and I'll just read it for you. When they got out, of, out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in, in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. Isn't it amazing? I mean, you've done all these things and you know you've done it. But yet there's this amazing God standing and Peter's running towards him. And Jesus doesn't point out anything to him. Jesus has a charcoal fire and breakfast ready. I think that's pretty amazing. That is pretty amazing for a man who knew what he had done. And now running towards Jesus thinking, oh, I'm in trouble. This is the man that I thought I would stand up for. And I didn't. And I denied him. But Jesus doesn't mention that. Jesus welcomes him with a, with, with a fire and breakfast. And then he says, bring your fish. 
and he creates community. And it's such an environment where Jesus always creates the right, the right environment, sorry, he always creates the right environment for us to come together and sit in his presence. It's never a blockage. It's never something that keeps us away from him. But it's always an opportunity for us to come into his presence because he is inviting to us. So Peter experiences something so amazing with, with Jesus. He experiences amazing grace. He experiences mercy. And he experiences love with Jesus. But Jesus doesn't hold him there. Jesus says, tend to my sheep. And how amazing is it sometimes when we get caught up with our sin, we stay in one place all the time. I mean, we are dwellers by nature. We like to sit on one spot. We get disabled by our sin, something that the enemy loves, and he loves isolating us. He loves putting us in a spot where we can't do anything. And we feel we have to stay there, and maybe it will go away. But Jesus is inviting, and he's reaching out, and he always sets the atmosphere for us to be set free. And that's the most amazing thing for us. So I'm going to do a little something. My second point is that we are loved. And I really just want to start off, and there's some scripture that I want to read. Romans 5, it says, But God shows his love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is amazing. You did absolutely nothing. And he died for you so that you can be saved. I always question why we want to do something now when we are saved. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. And John 3.16 is always good. It's, it's, it's probably the pivotal of the gospel in terms of where we are and who he is, mostly. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There's an action when it comes to love, it says he loved the world and then he gave. That is amazing. I think it's astounding that God himself, the maker of the universe, decided to give something because he loved us. And that is so cool. So I'm going to do a little bit of an interaction with you. I mean, this is all about love. All of us, all about love. have to love each other. See, if you, I've got a little pen and a piece of paper, so I'm just going to take some notes, okay? So if you want to know how much I love my wife, what kind of question would you ask me? So let's have a bit of inter... Okay, you can, you can ask me a question, okay? So if you want to know how much I love my wife, what kind of question would you ask me? Anyone? I'm writing it down, Sid. Okay. <laughs> Anyone else? <laughs> okay, she has it already, so it's good. <laughs> Move on. Next one. <laughs> That's easy. Anyone else? Schultz. 
Actually, I think you, you can go now. That's all right. Huh? <laughs> Anyone else? Oh, yes. How would I express my support? One more. Would I give my life to my wife? Who asked that question? For her. Okay, let me answer. Thank you guys for being so amazing. Let me try and answer those questions. Would you wash the dishes? Um, yes. <laughs> My wife says yes. Okay, I would. I really would. Um, favorite color? Ooh, she doesn't know. But I'll say pink. How's that? Okay. She loves it. She loves it. Would I make a coffee? She doesn't drink coffee, but I'd I would love to make a tea. So I love making a tea. Do you know her dreams and fears? Yeah, sorry, that's my handwriting, by the way. Do you know her dreams and fears? I know my wife's dream. I get to share in it every day. That's not me. <laughs> I'm part of it already. <laughs> but her dream has always been the kids inside five. And her fears, she had fears before. And I think her fear was spiders and those kind of things. But, you know, now I have the fear because I decided to take it upon myself. Okay, she's free from it. Okay, so now I have that fear. So I decided I'm going to take that upon myself. Would I give my life to my wife? That's, that's a tough question. It is really tough because if I have to answer that, I can say that yes right now. But it's only by God's grace if I can. But yes, I would, definitely. Um, I treasure, I treasure so much. Okay, you've asked me five questions. With the exception of one, I'm going to throw that back at you. Okay. How do we know if you love God? Would you work for Him? What is His favorite things? I wouldn't say color, but I'll say things. What are his favorite things? Would you make him coffee? <laughs> I, I say it because you know what I mean, but would you? And then lastly, would you give your life for him? You see, many of us get get the feeling that when we pray to God, we say thank you. And we say, Lord, you are amazing. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. But how many of you know how much he loves you? How many of you know that he died for you? How many of you know that he provides the cup of coffee that I make for my wife or for whoever? How many of you know that he knows your fears and your dreams? God is amazing. I was a gangster. I'm standing here today. He is amazing. He knew my fears, yet he spoke life into me. 
He knows yours. He knows your dreams. He makes you a cup of coffee. He wrote a book about it. It's called Hebrews. Really, I promise you. It's just, that's a joke, by the way. <laughs> Don't take that serious. It's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> but until, until we understand how holy he is, we will never understand our own iniquities. Until we get the revelation of who he is, we will never understand where we are. Because to know him is to know where we are. And that is important. Point number three, commission. And I want to read Isaiah. Actually, I'm not going to read Isaiah. I think uh, uh, you can go and check it out. It's Isaiah 6, verse 1 to 8. And Isaiah was a real upright man. He was, he was well-respected in his community. He had access to King Ahaz. So you can understand that people knew him, a religious man. And Isaiah 6, 1 to 8 talks about how Isaiah comes into the temple and his experience of what he sees there. He comes in and he sees the cherubs flying around, six wings, two covering the eyes, two covering the feet, and the other flying and singing to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You see, in, in their days, in the, in the Jewish days, when, in the olden days, when, when they would express themselves, if I had to tell Gabe, if Gabe had to tell me, Gabe, um, Wayne, I've got gold at home. If I want to be better than Gabe, I would say, Gabe, but I've got gold, gold. You know when you really come up against your friend and you want to be better than him? He's like, no, nah, Gabe, I've got gold, gold. You might have gold, but geez, come and see mine. I've got gold, gold, buddy. And Isaiah sees this. He, he hears them singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's not a repetition. It is the steps of how high and holy he is. You see, Isaiah catches it. He realizes this is not repetition as in holy, holy. It says, Lord, you are holy, and then you are holy, and then you are holy. And then he makes a confession that is so amazing. He says, woe is me. For I am lost, I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. That's amazing, if you think about it. There was a revelation of who the Father is. It wasn't just a mere Father that you come into the presence and you say, Hey, Lord, how are you doing today? I'm fine. Can you help me? Is it okay? It's not a mere thank you. It is worship. It is worship to a Father that is glorious, to a Father that is above everything, a Father that reigns over everything. He is sovereign. And Isaiah gets it, and he falls to his knees. But that's not the end of the story. The angel comes and with the tongs and a hot coal cleanses him. And the Lord says, Now, whom shall we send? And Isaiah jumps up and he says, Send me. Send me. The revelation of who the Father is commissions us. 
It commissions us. We don't stand still when we get to find out who our dad is. He says, whom shall we send? Isaiah jumps up and he says, sends me. Send me, sorry, send me. <laughs> sends me. I was like, okay, that's funny. <laughs> Peter in Luke 5, 8 says, once he had found out Jesus was God, he says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. In his presence, only in his presence will we realize where we really are. And I really want to say this morning, find yourself in his presence, which is so key for us because it commissions us. In Exodus 15:11, in the song, one of the songs of Moses, he says, Who is like you among the gods, O Lord, glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders? Who is like you, O God? There is none like you. And that's how amazing our God is. There is none like him. So perhaps this morning, you might see yourself as a Peter. Perhaps this morning, you see Jesus standing and facing you. And you're wondering to yourself, can I? What will he say? Will he invite me in? But as Peter experiences that, Jesus invites him in and he sets the standard for what would be confession, in a sense, and repentance at the same time. You see, when Jesus meets Peter, he stands with Peter and he looks Peter in the eyes and he says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Now, can you imagine? I mean, Gabe, can you, can you come stand? And Jesus stands with Peter and after they had their little breakfast, Jesus takes Peter aside and Jesus stands right in front of Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Yeah. Thanks, Gabe. <laughs> it is intense. Thanks, Gabe. <laughs> that is intense. It's not a simple question. It's not a question I'll ask you about me. It is a question because Peter was this man that said, Lord, I will never deny you. Lord, I will be with you. Oh, jeez. Peter came short. But Jesus doesn't tell him he came short. Jesus asked him a question. Do you love me? And on the third time, when Jesus asked that question, it becomes intense. The word says that Peter was griefed. Now, when you are griefed, when someone says, do you love me? You know what you've done. But Jesus never pointed that out. The question is, do you love me? Jesus never points out our sins. He hasn't done it. I don't see it in the Gospels. He says, follow me. He says, go. He says, you are forgiven. But the question is, do you love me? 
that question will set you free. This morning, as we come to a close, that's 2015. I mean, I'm still, we were talking earlier, Wally and I said we must have a grace period of, of maybe a week before we enter 2016. You know, you're still talking about 2015, it's still happening. And you say, yeah, yeah, well, you do it next year, but it's the 3rd of Jan. You say, no, no, next year I will, it's the 3rd of Jan, buddy. You know, you start still saying next year I will, and next year I will. And, and, and this is the thing about 2015, it's behind us. It is finished. There's nothing you can do to 2015, but there's everything you can do in 2016 to get it started. And you know, we make resolutions. It's such a nice thing, resolutions. Five days later, oh, I think there's so much grace, God, Lord. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Grace. No more resolutions. Because resolution says, I am acting in my own strength to perform something. Where we look towards God, it says, Lord, you help me through your grace, so that I can achieve all that I can for you. And that's the amazing thing. So today, this morning, you might want to decide, and I made three points about that. Point number one. Today you might want to run to him, but you don't know how. Love him, but you don't know how. Run for him but you don't know how. There are 50 chapters in the Bible dedicated to the tabernacle. 50 chapters. I wonder why. Because at the tabernacle, you find forgiveness. You find freedom. For all those who've entered and came close to the tabernacle, who entered into that presence, there was freedom. There was life and there was forgiveness. And there are 50 chapters Dedicated to the tabernacle. So man has not perfected the art of creating a conducive, a conducive environment for, for forgiveness, for confession. We, I must admit, I haven't done that. I mean, I really, uh, when I speak to people, I'm thinking, Lord, are they going to come to confession with you or repentance? I pray that they do, but really, in essence, I set the atmosphere. But today there's an atmosphere that Jesus said for us. And it comes in a single question in a warm, inviting, and loving environment. And that question is, do you love me? Can we stand to our feet, please? Gabe, can I just ask you to... Can you come? Sorry. 2016 has started. 2015 is behind us. Today we can make a decision to move forward with Christ. Or we can still harbor on the 2015s that happened. And I know there's some of you that really feels you want to do something amazing. You just don't know how. There's some of you that want to come before him, but you feel that you haven't found the right environment to do that. You see, before we know, 2016 is going to come to an end. And there shouldn't be another sermon like this. We should have moved on as a community. We should be standing strong. The most amazing thing about what happened to Isaiah 
and what happened to Peter is Jesus restored them amazingly. Now, he didn't say you must sit there and you must hang there and stay there. There are people dying in this world. You have been saved. Imagine harboring in that area and staying there while others are dying and you've got the gold nuggets. So Jesus doesn't ask Peter to stay there. He commissions him. He says, feed my sheep, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. God asked Isaiah, now whom shall we send? Why must we send people? Why must people go? What is it about this gospel, which is called the good news that this world needs to know? There's a loving father that has set an environment for us. A beautiful dad that says, come. Come, I'm not pointing at your sins. I'm not pointing at what you've done wrong. I will never do that. I'm asking you a simple question this morning. Do you love me? Do you love me? It is a simple question, but it strikes deep to the core of our heart. And Jesus is inviting you this morning because he is beautiful. He has set us free. And this morning, if you can't with certainty ask or answer that question, do you love me? Raise your hand. Please, 2016 is coming. We can't harbor. Raise your hand. If you don't know if you can say yes to that question, I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to pray for you if you can. I'd love for you to raise your hand where you are. And I'd love to pray for you. Thank you, ma'am. Keep your hand. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Thank you. If you haven't met Jesus, and if you don't know this Jesus, and you would like to give your life to him. An amazing friend, an amazing God that says, I'm not looking at your sin. If you don't know him and you haven't made a commitment to this amazing God who has never once pointed out your sin, we'd like to invite you to the front. We'd love to introduce you to him. He's beautiful. He uses the foolish things of this world to put shame to the wise. I am one of them. I am one of them. I am that little gangster, that 16-year-old that stood on the corner shop and thought I had it. But he arrested me. He arrested me. He can do the same for you. He can do the same for you. And I would like to invite you to the front. We'd love to pray for you. And if you feel you've been commissioned this morning, if you feel there's a commissioning in your heart that God has sent you, but you have all kinds of fears of doing this thing, of going out. Maybe you feel you're alone. We'd love to.